0: Hi, welcome back to the TT Wine Explorer podcast. I'm Tanya Tomaszewska. Today's episode is about the power of travel. One of the reasons why I love wine so much is because I love geography and travel. Those two things drive my passion for wine exploring. No matter where I've traveled or lived, I've sought out wine made from or in the place I'm in. And over time, I became more and more curious about how wine is made, why it tastes how it does, and why I like it so much. What i figured out is that what I'm most drawn to about wine is the process of just being with people, in the moment, clinking glasses. So it's not so much about what's in the glass, but the activity around it. Meeting the people who are making the wine and feeling their passion. The energy of wine industry people and their ability to just be present in the moment when they're speaking, about, speaking with you about their wine, it's infectious. And well, I just got the bug. And like others who get the wine bug, all you want to do is share it with other people. Try to express how wine exploring makes you feel, and how we can immerse ourselves in the world of the senses through wine. And so when Maple Leaf Adventures first spoke with me about working with them on a new wine journey product, which they had in mind for trips along the west coast of Canada, I was all in. Maple Leaf Adventures is a globally recognized, award-winning, conservation-based tourism company headquartered in Victoria, British Columbia, Maple Leaf is a small vessel expedition expert, which leads small group adventure travel in hard-to-reach pockets along our wild coasts of British Columbia and Alaska. And when I say small group, I mean that there'll never be more than 24 guests in a trip which you take with Maple Leaf Adventures. It's you living on a small ship with an amazing crew, up close and personal with your chosen destination, be it amongst glaciers, fjords, the Great Bear Rainforest, Haida Gwaii, in with the bears, Wales. And if you're on Maple Leaf's Wines and Islands trip, you'll be going ashore to visit vineyards in the Vancouver Island and South Southern Gulf Island wine regions. And as you'll also hear during this episode, Maple Leaf Adventures is a leader of a massive marine debris removal initiative, which they spearheaded with a small group of operators in 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic shut down their entire tourism and cruising industry. This specific pandemic pivot by Maple Leaf is like no other business pivot which I've witnessed in this recent era. Kevin Smith and Maureen Gordon are the co-owners of Maple Leaf Adventures. My tie to their groundbreaking company is not only that I've been honored to be a wine journey guide on their Wines and islands cruise expeditions, but also that I've known Maureen since school days, growing up in Victoria, British Columbia. Maureen and I met in high school, in many of the same classes, and we played field hockey together. Maureen was the goalie, I was the right back. And here we are, many years later, after having been on our own respective life journeys, connecting over wine, and the transformative power of travel and curiosity. I hope that you enjoy my discussion with Maureen Gordon today. Let's fly. Hi, Maureen. Thanks so much for joining as my guest today. Hi, Tanya. It's lovely to be here, and uh, thank you for the invitation. So of all the wine tours and expeditions, which I've been part of, either as a guest or as a guide, the Wines and Islands trip with Maple Leaf is truly one of a kind. It's a unique adventure, not only about wine, but really about having an immersive experience in the place in which that wine is made. It's walking through local vineyards, meeting local wine producers, tendering in small boats near sea lions, maybe seeing a whale breaching, island forest bathing, small sand beaches, tide pool exploring... All of this while living on a 135-foot catamaran ship for five days with an onboard crew, chef-prepared meals, and hot tub on the top deck. I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> now, although this is very unique kind of wine tour compared to anything else which I've experienced, its overall style and approach is not unique to Maple Leaf Adventures. That is, in terms of how you deliver a journey to your guests and how your guests experience their natural surroundings. So in the context of being a small ship expedition and ecotourism specialist, Maureen, can you provide a little bit of an overview about your business and your offerings? For example, how many ships you have, what kinds of trips you offer, where you go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Maple Leaf Adventures has been around since actually, Tanya, you and I were on the field hockey pitch together since 1986, <laughs> um, and the original owners mentored my husband uh, into the business a few decades ago now. So um, it's a business with a long, long history on this coast. Having said that, we fit into um, a market segment, if you want to call that call that. Um, that's called expedition cruising. And it's one of the fastest growing areas of travel in the world due to people's interest in, yes, we want to have a great trip somewhere, but we want to be immersed in the experience. We don't want to have the trappings and frustrations and barriers of mass travel. We want to feel, touch, hear, taste the place with locals in a relaxing way. Um, So that's Expedition Cruising, and we're a very, very boutique size of it. Uh, We take eight guests, 12 guests, or maximum 24 guests at a time on coastal yachts that are very unique and cared for here into the fjords and islands and archipelagos of British Columbia and Southeast Alaska's coastline from uh, southeast to Haida Gwaii to the Great Barrier Forest um, to various pockets around Vancouver Island, all off the beaten track,
0: and so that's a diverse range of offerings for an adventurous traveler. Um, what kind of travelers come on your trips? You know, who is this for?
1: Yeah, so our guests tend to be people who want to learn and take things back from their holiday. Um, They want to engage with the place, whether it's with the wildlife, the bears, the whales, the nature itself, the rainforest, the rivers, um, the ocean or the people, whether it's different cultures, different communities um, or coastal culture in and of itself. Typically, they're from uh, North America and Western Europe and Australia. Because of the language thing, but generally everybody has a sense of wanting to learn and experience a journey with camaraderie and expert guides.
0: And I understand that you recently have been working on uh, or being part of another trip, which will appeal to some skiers. Is that right? I think heli skiing is involved. Something very unique.
1: Yes, we are an ecotourism company, so we typically don't use helicopters in our business. However, um, when we purchased our newest ship, which is a a, kind of a luxury expedition catamaran, um, my husband approached some colleagues of ours who have a carbon-positive company doing heli-skiing who are now actually also using sustainable aviation fuel from tomorrow's air um, and said, hey, uh, we have a great idea for yacht-based heli-skiing. Option. And so that's what we partnered with Bellacoola Heli Sports to do. And it's the only one in Canada. It's an exceptional experience where we head into the fjords around the Coola area um, and helicopter goes from the deck of Cascadia up to the mountains above the fjords, ski all day looking down into the fjords, come back to the yacht for apres ski and maybe some, you know, ocean uh, activities and do it all again in a different fjord the next day. And it's pretty, it's exceptional skiing in areas that most people will never have access to just because it's so remote.
0: Wow. That is next level. I suppose anyone listening out there who's into cat skiing or knows people who are into that kind of experience, this could be something very interesting for them. Um, Okay, but let's get back to the wine. Uh, So I love any kind of wine travel, no matter where I am, not only because I get to try a lot of different wines, but more importantly, because I get to learn so much during a trip, whether it's about new food, the history of a place, stories about the people who started the wine business. For me, what's addictive about it is the glue between the people who either make the wine or like me, I want to learn about it or taste the wine. And even more addictive is the high which I feel at the end of a trip, not from the wine itself, but having experienced all of those things at the same time. I've heard the term transformative travel used in the past. Is, is that what I'm experiencing or is that an antiquated
1: term now? I don't believe it's an antiquated term. It's something we talk about kind of in the industry, but we don't necessarily put a lot out there about it. And the, the idea is that you can be changed. You can be, whether it's in a small way or a large way, by experiences outside your norm when you step beyond your, your comfort zone. And I think trips like this, they do take you into another world because you're living on a vessel Going ashore, traveling between islands. It's kind of like a mystical other world, right? And that allows people to minds and hearts to open up. And I think that allows people to experience shifts in understanding and in consciousness um, and connection.
0: One other thing I've noticed is that Maple Leaf refers to the term regenerative travel. Could you just explain a little bit about what you mean when you say that?
1: Yeah. so we've been an ecotourism company forever and I think that regenerative travel was a term coined in 2020 to distinguish between uh, sustainable travel which is travel that the environment can sustain that doesn't mean it's you know that it's perfect but it's not damaging the environment enough to harm the environment but there is a type of travel beyond that it is called regenerative travel where we work to have a symbiotic relationship with the environments that we operate in, giving back to and making them better through our travel. So in our case, um, obviously the natural world is a beneficiary of our travel because a of the education that it gives to people, but also because we actually contribute to coastal conservation and we don't build any structures anywhere. We don't damage the environment, but it's also regenerative um, for the coast and for culture because we're trying to build a conservation-based economy that gives people meaningful work um, in areas where you know they might not have other work or there might be extractive work that's being replaced by conservation-based work. So that's what the definition of regenerative travel is. But ultimately it has to be joyous and fun and full of discovery at the same time to make it a really good trip.
0: Like a glass of wine. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. That was a really clear explanation. Thank you so much. Uh, so the Wines and Islands trip was first launched in 2019, but Maple Leaf Adventures, as you mentioned, you've been around, the company's been around for a long while now, and you've grown year on year and developed and expanded your trip offerings. Um, you've mentioned your Haida Gwaii and Great Bear Rainforest and Alaska trips, which, um, you know, are some of the flagship journeys that people can be part of. But when and why did you first introduce Culinary Adventures? Uh, I think it may have related to craft beer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, um, although we're known as experts in natural and cultural history expeditions, to us, um, food and the environment are all linked together and what we taste and what we smell is a key part of the experience of a place and of a culture. You know, seafood is and is sea asparagus and berries and all the rest of it, that's a, that's a key part of understanding this place. So we've always thought a lot about culinary aspects of our trips. Um, and then when our first ship, um, the 1904 Schooner Maple Leaf, that's a piece of BC heritage, turned 100 in 2004, We thought it would be good to invent something to celebrate that century. And we spoke with a friend of ours, uh, Greg Evans, who was the executive director of the Maritime Museum of BC at the time, but also very well known in the brewing world. And we came up with a beer to celebrate her anniversary. And at the same time as we were sampling beers with Greg and, and talking about it, we all kind of all of a sudden realized Why don't we just make a trip about this? Because there's so much incredible beer here in Victoria back in 2004. It was a leader in that. Um, And it combined so many of the aspects of learning and experience. And Greg's knowledge was a delight. Um, So that's the inspiration and and credit to my husband, Kevin. He made it happen. Um, And that was our first culinary expedition where the emphasis was slightly shifted onto culinary, but the nature and the culture are still a key part of it. It's just a matter of emphasis. So then when we got Cascadia, um, our kind of elevated expedition experience, we thought, well, why don't we pair this with a wine expedition? Because there's so much going on here uh, with wine that people don't know. And that's what we really love to do is develop and surprise people with trips that tell them, show them things, beautiful things that they didn't even know existed.
0: Well, that's interesting history you reminded me of in terms of back in 2004, uh, really at that time, the craft brewery scene, it had started before in the 80s, but that's when Mm -hmm. things were really taking off. And um, our our Salish Sea region, um, both now for beer and spirits, distillery, um, and wine, there's been an exponential growth. So you've really been on the forefront of how everyday uh, consumers or travelers who may not know so much about those pursuits can really get close and personal with uh, with them. Um, So I think you've probably touched on my next question, which was, you know, a lot of your trips are really into the wilds, I'd say, like really getting into the wild side. Um, (laughs) Whereas uh, the wines and islands, Salish Sea adventures of the culinary ones might be a little bit closer to um, home, so to speak. So what is it that you thought would resonate with the people that are, that normally will come on your kinds of trips, maybe you've answered it, this ability to immerse into a burgeoning uh, region as far as a wine goes, or what, what was your thinking that it would attract your, your base, so to speak?
1: Yeah, I think um, there were two factors involved in the trip. The first was that we do include a strong culinary program as part of all of our expeditions um, and we do actually operate other trips in the Salish Sea region that are focused on natural history, and some of them are, are focused on cultural history as well. We um, work with some Salish elders uh, on an expedition we do with Canadian Geographic. So to us, this area is actually filled with um, incredible depth and um things to explore that people aren't aware of. You know, you people think, oh, I know the Gulf Islands. I've been on a ferry and I've stayed in a bed and breakfast on Galliano. And it's a totally different experience when you're approaching the islands from the brightness of the ocean and you're landing on beaches and you're, you are you know, swimming, <laughs> swimming around through the sea with the sea lions. Um, and so we are able to expose people to that. Um, and we thought, you know, there's an element, of exploring the wine that comes from this region too, that we can emphasize. So that was, that was really the rationale that, and people are interested in wine vacations and wine tourism in British Columbia. Um, And being one of the only wine regions with islands, we thought, why not explore it by boat? Absolutely. And uh, having been on
0: Cascadia, the ship that you're mentioning and on some of those trips and having, Dined on the food uh, prepared by your onboard chefs. I can attest to uh, how excellent the food is. And um, I should mention that the wines uh, include wines from our coastal region, but also from other regions of British Columbia, uh, some of the larger producing regions. So the guests who come aboard have an integrated experience of exploring all sorts of British Columbia wines and meeting winemakers firsthand and um, forest bathing and getting Close and personal, and just um, reminds me of a discussion I had with uh, a group of your guests on one of your recent trips. Um, I met a couple who actually spend half their year on one of the Gulf Islands that we were sailing by and uh, and they've and they've done so for many, many years. and they were telling me how unique and wonderful this trip was because they got to see their own region from a completely different perspective mm-hmm. um, And I think that just validates your point just now it is it is another way to move through the space and experience it. Um, so maybe we'll just uh, jump to something I'm really interested in asking you about and talking about. Um, and that is uh, what happened in uh, 2020 <laughs> to your world and uh, the sector that you operate in. So I mentioned that the first Wines and Islands trip was in late 2019. And then, as we all know, five months later, everything stopped when the world locked down with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, everything came to a grounding halt, including the global tourism industry. I mean, I cannot imagine what it was like. For you during that time, your company, you have three ships, you have a large team, you have so many trips that are pre-booked with clients, um, but everything in the cruise and boating world had to be stopped and cancelled. And well, you had a business to yeah. run and
1: yeah. <laughs> um, you couldn't run. run your trips. Um, I remember one afternoon when I curled up on, on my carpet with a book. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: I think <laughs> I remember like, you uh, having a conversation with you that day uh, and you you got into the book for a little while. Um <laughs> But you got up off the carpet, and I I do think getting onto the carpet and reading a book sometimes is what we need to do, Um, definitely. You did get up off the carpet, and you guys figured out a way to keep moving, to keep going. And you did that in a way which resonates with some of your missions. You, together with some other small ship tour operators on our coast, implemented one of the most innovative and community-minded pandemic pivots which I've seen, you developed and helped implement the Marine Debris Removal Initiative, otherwise known as the MDRI. Can you share with us what the MDRI is and how you achieved it? You know, who was involved in the planning, how
1: it was funded, how it was implemented? Yeah. So we have a number of Uh, colleagues who do similar things to us and we have a loose association called the small ship tour operators association because we work together on a lot of things we have a lot of common interests whether it's stopping the trophy hunt of grizzly bears or you know other conservation based or boat based or just planning based issues so we had a history of meeting together we were you know colleagues and competitors but we're colleagues more than anything Um, But when the pandemic hit, everybody was struggling at home alone with terrifying you know, um, a future. And, you know, a lot of us had just invested in, in our industry as well, um, purchasing boats or building boats. And so, you know, it was quite, there was quite a lot of terror and, uh, my husband's part of this group and he said it became like a group therapy session where they really opened up and supported each other in ways that they hadn't before. And the trust they had from working together combined with this emotional support for each other meant that when, um, Kevin and I were like, what are we going to do? And he came up with this idea to clean up the marine debris on the coast. They worked together and they, you know, even shared financial information together, which as a business you probably never, you know, want to do with your competitors, but they did um, to come up with an idea to do this. And then went to the different um, nations whose territory it was in because the nations had closed the territory. Obviously there's a, kind of a bad history of disease uh on this coast coming from outside and uh you know there was we want we didn't want to be disrespectful of that um so we went to the the coastal first nations and we said hey listen if we stay away from the communities will you know will you support this and how can we work together on this and they came back really quickly with with a lot of support for the idea that was um the Gitgat, the Kizuhehes, the Heltzik, the Wikono, and then later the Gitsala Nations, First Nations, um, and maybe the New Hulk as well, um, which we then took to the province. And the Ministry of Environment had also an interest in removing plastic from BC's environment, but they hadn't started any programs on it. And so when we gave them this proposal, they immediately saw how it could fit with that program and also be a solution to save a lot of businesses and a lot of employees, uh, both from our industry um, with boats. And also, you know, um, Clem 2 has a lodge, Spirit Bear Lodge, and those guides had no work either. So they were able to be employed by this initiative as well. That's how it all came together. And it was an amazing expedition planning across hundreds of kilometers and Probably hundreds of islands, dozens of inlets, incredible amounts of weather and tides and currents and ecosystems and beach types and helicopters, barges, tugboats, tenders, shore trips, you know, um, big boats, you know, and, and transportation, lines of transportation and supply it was an incredible.
0: Expedition. Well, just the logistics itself, um, as you've just mentioned, and also I've seen pictures of What was picked up and removed, um, and what was placed—an unbelievable amount of debris. I I think, yeah, I'm unbelievable. I was, I was just shocked. My eyes were uh, (laughs) agog when I saw pictures of what was on, uh, you know, what was collected. Um, And you did it. You did it the year after too. So, uh, right,
1: 2021. Yeah, we did it in 2020 and 2021. And to your point there, um, to bring it back to, you know, food and regenerative travel and responsible industry and so forth, a lot of the debris we were picking up was actually offshore fishing gear. You know, so there's there's a whole element of what we eat and what we put in our bodies that not only are we fishing down the food chain and various other issues. Um, and I don't want to be negative because there are solutions. Right. And, mm-hmm. and we, we try to look at things from a solutions perspective, um, but they are also impacting our environment. Um, so, yes, we were able to put this together and we cleaned up um, 337 metric tons of debris from about three or 400 kilometers of coastline in the Great Bear rainforest. Um, and 60% of that was recycled through Ocean Legacy, which is a new marine debris recycling program, because you can't just throw the stuff in your blue box. Um, no. You know, barnacles on it and sand and, and so forth. Um, so there is, a, there is a way to do it right.
0: What an amazing initiative kudos I I don't actually have enough words to try and express what I'm feeling um for people who'd like to learn more about it I know that Kevin uh was he
1: gave a TED talk is that right so people can find that okay yes Mm -hmm. he was invited to speak about it for 15 minutes at TED and you can find that online type Kevin Smith marine debris and I think it will pop up up.
0: so um, after two successful initiatives over two years for the MDRI, uh, do you have a sense now of the future? Will there will this continue, this initiative, either in
1: the same form or in expanded form? Uh, what yeah. do you think? Well, it, it kind of grew even beyond us. I mean, we are so proud that the spark and the catalyst of the idea was there in our home office and with our group. But um, once the province supported it they created the clean coast clean waters initiative and a fund associated with it so um, we were the first we that is us and the different nations were the first um, recipients of grants in the year one but in year two they actually expanded it to the entire coast so there were marine debris projects from southern Vancouver Island all the way up um, to the Alaskan border and then there were some out on Haida Gwaii as well So it is continuing. um, And that is a really good thing to see. And we actually found that our guests actually want us to continue it on our trips. So whenever any crew who were participating in this, because our crew return every year, talked about it, um, many of our guests said, you know, we'd like to we'd like to do that. And so we have mini marine debris for an afternoon on a beach somewhere on many of our trips now. That's an amazing initiative. Again, this term, like
0: transformative travel, maybe is outdated now. But a number of years ago, I remember, increasingly, people were interested in what we call voluntourism. Yeah. So becoming involved. So travel, um, travel can be a lot of things. It can be a vacation, it can be a holiday, it can be learning, um, it can be working, it can be volunteering, it can be giving back. So I'm delighted to hear that uh, guests, guests want to get their hands dirty, <laughs> literally. Um, the one thing also I'd just like to mention, you've, you've touched on it a few times, that I just want to acknowledge the fact that you um, and Maple Leaf Adventures work really closely with coastal First Nations. Um, you take a lot of visitors to different parts of our coast. And it sounds to me that you've developed some really deep and strong relationships with some of the different coastal communities and perhaps engage with them during, during
1: the trips. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things are different in different places with the different structures that are set up, for example, in Guayanas on Haida Gwai, um, where a lot of issues were resolved with regards to protecting the Southern third of Guayanas in the eighties with all the protests um, and the, the, creation of the National Park Reserve and Haida Heritage Site. Um, we work through a co-managed board that is a Haida Government of Canada board. Um, and through that, um, we work with Haida interpreters. We have Haida interpreters on board, but there's also many throughout Gwaii And we work with lots of local and Haida-owned businesses on Haida Gwaii. So that's, that's one model of doing it. Um, in the Great Bear Forest, when when uh, my husband Kevin first started working in this area, he was very adamant that we needed to recognize whose land it was that we were operating in. And he set up what are called protocol agreements um, with nations in the Great Bear Forest. And there are agreements that recognize rights and title um, they also outline our stewardship principles and the nations, and they're, you know, they, they, they sync up very well. Um, we pay a protocol fee, which is sort of like a tax, um, and that, that fee goes towards their coastal guardian program, which is like an environmental watchdog program um, to support sending people out into the territory to monitor things. Um, and of course, we also work with local guides and local interpreters from the communities in different ways
0: and so uh, one more point on that perhaps you've just touched on which is on each of your trips there is some uh sort of guide specialist guide or naturalist uh whether from those communities or an expert from um from somewhere else and a a different uh walk of life in terms of their life journey and learning so um i can i can say that to anyone listening to this who's interested in uh exploring a maple leaf adventure no matter what the destination um you will have some great learning and just very down to earth, fantastic people on board (laughs) as your guides and your crew. Um, and also your fellow guests. That's the one thing I've experienced is when you leave the trip, you get on board with however many people, 10, 12, 16, 18, maybe fewer. Um, and you feel like you've met friends when you uh, get off four or five days later. So, so that's part of the glue. I always say wine is part of the glue, but, but uh, that's the power of travel, I think, and curiosity and, and, and people who are curious and open to learning new things. And shared um, adventures, right? Yeah, shared, shared adventures. adventure. Um, that's, that's in our world where, and doing it together in real time in, in <laughs> IRL. Um, so perhaps that takes us to one of my last questions. And we've talked a little bit about looking back. And it's important to look back to see where we've, you know, what we've come through. Um, But looking forward now, uh, you know, you have great oversight and experience Mm -hmm. and observation about the world in which you're operating. Um, You know, the world of experiential travel, let's say, or regenerative um, and seeing trends out there. So what do you, where do you think, the traveling the human traveling spirit is going in the next 5 or 10 years. You know what what do you think people want? I know that's a very broad question. I think about it in terms of the, the wine world. You know what what do travelers, tasters, everyday people what are what do you think they're looking for and where do you think this could drive your your industry going forward? I know that's really broad, but maybe just a few observations or a few thoughts. We won't hold you to it.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah, Thanks for that. Um, I think that uh, in, in, in our industry, I should say we are really fortunate to have um, a, a specific segment, I guess you could say, of the traveling world, which is people who are interested in ideas and a deep connection with place. So what I say will probably be applicable to that those people, but not necessarily the world at large. Um, I understand there's, there's trends in travel that have to do with technology. Um, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, But what I see mostly is that people are really aware of their connection to a place and the connection of their actions to that place and other places around the world. So I think people are hoping to make their trips maybe more meaningful, maybe a bit longer, um, because technology does allow us to stay connected in some, in some ways um, when, we're, when we're away. And I think that people are really wanting to make sure that their, their trip is a positive for the planet. And I know there's a lot of talk about is travel good for the planet or not. I think the human spirit naturally needs to explore and discover and it's caring. And I think if we create solutions for people where they know that they're going to have an amazing time and it's also going to be good for the coast or good for the destination, um, they're going to take that opportunity. I feel that
0: resonates a lot with what people are talking about in the wine industry, about the where consumption or interest will go and what people are looking for in wine. I think ultimately uh, people just want to taste something that they think is delicious. They want to know about the story, a little bit about where uh, the wine is from and what's in it. And sustainability aspects are certainly with with packaging and production um, are becoming more forefront for people uh, on the everyday consumer level and are driving a lot of the current initiatives and trends. Um, And also I think uh, in both cases that we're chatting about they're parallel in terms of these are vehicles for us to uh, go into the world of the senses mm-hmm. and to disconnect in a good way um, from things that prevent us from being present with people or with nature or our natural surroundings, even if it's just for ten minutes, maybe it's for two days, maybe it's for a week
1: yeah so. a trend, you know, in mental health, I guess, spiritual health, which is called grounding, which everyone's probably heard of, which is, you know, go outside every day and at least take your shoes off and touch the ground. And I mean, our trips are kind of like the ultimate grounding for a week, um, because they are completely present in nature and cultural worlds that maybe we are not familiar with at home. Um, And I think that's good for the soul. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, walking bare feet
0: on the sand, change of scene, all of these things, connecting with other people. Um, so Maureen, I think we'll leave it at that for today. I know that we could chat and we do uh, for hours <laughs> at a time, um, but I'd like to thank you and Maple Leaf Adventures um, for all of your team, for your massive contribution, uh, not only to our communities, uh, but to fellow travelers and to citizens of the world who want to support adventure and curiosity and the care for our natural world. Um, And also in the context of the Wines and Islands trip, thank you for supporting small business in British Columbia and our local BC wine industry. You know, we talk about what grows together, goes together, and you touched Mm -hmm. on that. So I'd like to thank you for providing a really cool way for travelers to to do that, to immerse themselves in where things grow. Uh, so thank you so much. And I'm wishing you all the best for this coming 2024 season. I know you guys have a lot of
1: exciting stuff on the roster um, for people to experience. Thank you, Tanya. And thanks for building this wines and islands trip with us and introducing us to so many incredible innovators in the wine industry, in the Salish Sea region. I mean, I think standing in coup and tasting that multi-layered Pinot Noir that they make from Salt Spring Island and North Saanich grapes, kind of, that was a transformational moment for me. Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. And a huge thank you once again to everyone who's dropped me a line with feedback. I really appreciate it. If there are any topics or themes which you'd like to hear about on this TT Wine Explorer podcast, please do let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me on tanya at ttwinecouncil.com or direct message me on Instagram at TT wine Explorer. And if there's a TT Wine Explorer podcast which you listen to in which you think will resonate with a friend, please do share it with them. I'm all grassroots at the moment. Stay tuned for our next adventure in the wine world. Until then, Take care and keep learning, tasting, and living.